All right, can you all hear me now? Yeah, there we go. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good? Good? That's good to hear. All right, because I am not. All right. <laughs> and Slate, I will get you back for that happy birthday. <laughs> so today, I want to start off by asking you all a very important question. Are you comfortable in your faith? Are you OK with where you are today? Do you often find yourself settled down, not necessarily asking yourself the difficult questions? If you're content with where you are today in your faith, I'm here to be the one to tell you that you're probably not doing enough. You shouldn't be comfortable, at least not all the time. Let me ask you this. If God called any of you right now to pack your bags and move, would you do it? Would you be so content with where you are right now that you wouldn't want to move? Would you be stuck where you are? When comfort becomes an idol, God often calls us to be uncomfortable. And you may say, well, God says that he comforts us in time of affliction. And yeah, you're right, he does. But he also knows that not a single one of us are going to grow from that constant state of comfort. Hard times is what builds our character. It's what shapes us as people. God may comfort us through that, but God also uses us to help comfort other people. Do you spread the gospel as God intended while you're comfortable? Because if you're stuck in one place, how can you, besides just in your own little town? What's at stake for other people is listed as Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. For those of you who might be interested in economics, think of it like an opportunity cost. You either stay comfortable and lose any chance of reaching out to someone that you may have never reached out to before and save your own tail, but what about them? Are they just left behind to fend for themselves? Or, you can step out of your comfort zone like God has shown us many of times before and show that lost sheep their way back to the herd. It's easy to not be a Christian in this world because the world continues to give you empty promises. God also tells you to guard your heart. This world and the things it tends to stand for are normally nothing but pure evil. The moment you turn your back on the world and turn to God is the moment you'll find the world tends to turn its back on you. Give me just a minute, there we go. Do you ever find it hard to trust God? Maybe you catch yourself asking if that spark in your heart when you see that guy on the side of the street, should I stop and talk to him? Maybe that's God reaching out to you. But the question is, how do you respond to that? Do you get up and go talk to them? Or do you just keep going on the path you're going on, hoping that they figure it out themselves. Well, you're not alone, and you're also not the first to feel that way. But what does God call on us to do specifically? Well, he calls us to take a step out into our faith and follow him. And a perfect example of this 
is when Jesus walked on water. Matthew 14, 22 through 32 says this. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while they dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves against wind because wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. God called upon Peter to walk on that water and come to him while he was there. And although he may not have necessarily succeeded in the entire point, he stepped out in his faith more in that moment by taking that first step than many of us do today just by being here. God's not going to let you sink. He might let you trip and fall sometimes, but he's going to pick you back up. He's going to scrape off your cuts and bruises, and he's going to nurse you back to health. God shows us love and tells us to love our neighbor. But the greatest love we can give a complete stranger is sometimes just a prayer and a small conversation about what they can do to get closer with God. What better way to defeat a corrupt world infested with sin than to bring the world together, all with God as that binding glue to hold us all together? There will be times when you want to give up, but the good thing about God is that he doesn't just let you quit. I'm sure we've all had the opportunity to read the parable of the sower at one point, but if you haven't, then I encourage you to read that when you get the chance at Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. To summarize it just real quick, though, Let's go something a little bit like this. Jesus tells the people the parable of the sower, which involves a farmer, and the farmer is sowing out his seeds. Well, the seeds scatter just about everywhere. Any place you can possibly imagine, there's a seed. Some fall upon the path that are eaten by birds, others on rocks that are scorched by the, earth, by the, that are scorched by the sun when the sun rises. Some fall within thorns and grow to choke the other plants, but some of the seeds fell on that good soil where it grew crops tenfold what it was originally sown as. The point is, it's almost like a garden. It's a two-man job. One plants the seed, which is all of us. We plant the seed of faith into people's hearts and their souls. And God's the person that goes through that field and waters it. Watered soil will not grow anything but weeds if there was never a good seed to grow. And sometimes we have to weed out our own gardens with God's help and pick the sin from our lives piece by piece. The devil will always try to infiltrate your life like a disease in a field of crops. And Matthew 13, 18-23 tells us just a little bit more about each seed that was sown. 
Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. God wants to make sure that as many seeds as possible are planted in people's hearts. Because although God does just about all of it, he uses us to get that little extra kick. The devil's words are like a poison that will seek to destroy that seed. While God's word has shaped and watered those that are willing to listen and follow him, we are still called to share the gospel and tell people the good news. But if you're stuck in your own comfort, then how will we reach those that make us uneasy? Jesus didn't eat with those that he already knew were on their path to salvation. And he instead ate with those whose lives were far different from anything holy. He ate with the sinners and showed them that there are always two choices to the way they live their lives. And as Mark 2, 13 through 17 says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd, a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God is constantly trying to get a foothold in everybody's life. But it always takes that person's willingness to open their heart to him. He can throw signs at you every day of the week. I mean, but it's up to you to really, truly accept him. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays that call themselves atheists, they all have one common belief. There is a God, but they don't know what God. It's, us to, it's up to us to show them the one and true God, to guide them closer to God himself and to faith. That way they too can walk to the gate of heaven. But that brings me to the next question. Is your place in heaven secured? Many of us have no clue. We all want it to be, but none of us can really look at another person in here and say, we know for a fact I'm gonna see you up there. But if you're questioning it, just like many of us are, don't worry, because once again, you're not alone in that one. It's a question we often find ourselves asking. But you might also be asking, what does God tell us about heaven? Well, in Matthew 10, 32 through 42, he says this, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So on and so forth. You basically get the point. It goes on for a while. God tells you to secure your place in heaven, and he tells you to put him first above all else. I guarantee you, if you ask anyone, maybe they don't go to church, maybe they do. Ask them when you catch them off guard what their priorities are and in what place they place them. Because if they place God anywhere after number one, then they already have a problem. God has to be number one in your life. Him being number one in your life is what really guides you and kind of brings his message to home and heart. He didn't put us all here for us to put him second. Honestly, it's like adopting a dog, and then that dog, if they, if they could talk, looks at you and says, take me back to the shelter now. After everything you have done for that dog, food, water, home, everything, that dog just looks at you and says, I'm going back. What might God mean when he says that when we find our life, we lose it, but whoever loses their life for his sake will find it? Well, Jesus tells us this because if we have our earthly life, then you are going to lose your spiritual life. But the second that you throw away your earthly life for God, that's when you truly find your spiritual life. When you grow closer to God and when you truly are there hearing him, listening to him, doing the things that he has for you, Trust me, the world does not like us at all. We stand for everything they don't. And people don't like different. It's human nature. If you choose to keep your earthly life, the world will consume you, chew you up, and spit you right back out with every feeling that God has worked so hard to remove. But if we truly turn to God, and lose our earthly life in his name and gaining our spiritual life. Just know that God loves every single one of us. No matter the things you've done in your past, truly, no matter the things you've done at all, he still loves you. Claim your faith as God has claimed you day in and day out. But don't just claim it. Show others the path to claiming theirs. We can't leave all the work up to God. After all, if not for him, we wouldn't even be here having these conversations right now. God makes promises to all of us. And maybe sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you don't feel heard. Maybe you're going through a dry spell and you just feel like God's not really listening. I can say this with no doubt that God is hearing every single one of you every moment that you try to reach out to him. At the end of the day, that's all he wants. 
the times that we go through, even today, I mean, it's, it's 2023. We walk out your door and you have to worry. You wake up in the morning and the first thought on your mind might not always be, how can I worship God today? It's, what time do I have to be to work? Or, what chores do I have to do today? God calls on every single one of us to be different than the world that we were originally placed in. And if we constantly put ourselves back in a bubble, we're no different than they are. In a sense, we're all the same, but we're all also very, very different as people. Each one of us in this room and outside of this room have gifts that we can use that God has given us to spread his word. Some may, like Slate, preaching. And he does really good at it, too. Every Sunday, I'm excited. Luke, youth ministry. Other people, it can just be as simple as going to your job and just spreading it to the people you work with. Some people will want to listen and others will not. So the second you've planted that seed is the second God can start watering it. When we all get to that time in our lives where we're stuck between necessarily the end and we get to that day of judgment, there will be people that don't make it. And there will be plenty that do. It's our job as Christians to make sure that as many people as possible do make it. We are our brother's keeper. We were all put here to spread it, to spread the word, keep going strong with God. We all need shirts that say hashtag God train, and we need to wear them every Sunday. And I stand by that. So I guess what I really have to say is that God did not call us to be comfortable. He called us to be capable. He doesn't want the worthy. He only wants the willing. There are plenty of instances in the Bible where there's worthy people, and then there's people that we would have never have guessed in a million years would have been in the position they're in. The Bible is full of liars, of thieves, of just sinners in general that are all being used for a greater purpose. So no matter what you've done in your lifetime, or even what you continue to do today, God will find a way to use you. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and do what God has called you to do? Because there will be days where you just want to sit in bed, but it's us. It's up to us to actually get out of bed, move forward with our lives, and help people. So, what will you do? any of you have a prayer or anything else that you want to leave on the cross, feel free to do that. Other than that, please join us and take a stand as we move along to our song.